What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? 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 You are listening to The Bounce. As always, I'm your co-host, Jabari Anderson, with my other co-host, L'Oreal. How you doing, L'Oreal? Doing fantastic. Jam-packed week, or a week and a yes. half, I should say, of sports. Absolutely. And I'm ready to go. Let's get it. I'm ready to go, too. I mean, we got a lot of things to talk about. I mean, so much stuff going on in the sports world. It is crazy right now. So, Let's get started. We we go we go we go open up the show. Let's talk about this. We're gonna talk about Kyrie Irving and James Hart. I mean, Lord have mercy. What is going on right now? Okay, this is this is just amazing what's going on. So I, w- I want to start by this. All right. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has not played with the Nets for a while. I mean, he hasn't played what since what Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe. The last game was what was when he was with the Utah Jazz. Well, he was playing against the Utah Jazz. That was the last time he played. And also, James Harden, especially what he said last night when the Rockets got beaten by the Lakers, obviously. I mean, I mean, it was it was just terrible. I don't even know why they were on television in the first place, to be honest with you. <laughs> there have been trade talks that have been heating up ever since James Harden basically said this. We are just not good enough. I literally, I literally have done everything I can. This situation is crazy, and I don't think it can be fixed. So, yeah, we're just not good enough. Mm. And obviously, we heard John Wall respond to the situation about about team clicking and everything, the team being, you know, not being together, by the way, and that you won out after nine games. Come on now. What's what's going on right here? So I want to talk about this because, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, things that he's going through is a lot. And he, like I said, we don't know when he's going to play once again. He, he's going to eventually play. I mean, I don't think he's going to retire or anything. But because this is whole, because this whole thing is going on, the Nets have offered a trade, uh, trade deal to get James Harden, draft picks, swaps, and everything to get this guy. Now, of course, the 76ers are on James Harden's list, but there can be situation where this trade can happen as soon as possible so what are your thoughts about all these things going on and do you see James Harden getting traded as soon as possible essentially with these two situations with Kyrie Irving and James Harden I kind of look at this like the two cases of the two divas Mm, so on one hand you got James Harden who from the get-go he just had been having this attitude of he doesn't want to play for the Houston Rockets. He doesn't want any more parts of this organization. And it's crazy because a lot of these problems were caused by him ever since he was a part of this organization. Yes. James Harden, nobody questioned his talent. We know how talented he is. We know how prolific of a scorer he is. But as far as his attitude and his demeanor, James Harden been having this my way or the highway attitude. This attitude is prompted in the hiring of Mike D'Antoni. It is prompting in bringing in Chris Paul, um, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony, and all these other boys into the lineup. And all of these decisions were prompted by him because he wanted these decisions. And now, ultimately, ultimately, the Houston Rockets are in a heap of trouble. They're, you know, in the bottom of the barrel of the West. Nothing really seems to be going right. And James Harden, it just, 
he, he's pretty much throwing down the towel saying I'm quit. And to see that from him, again, it's that whole, he just needs to grow up. He needs to grow up. He needs to grow up, take accountability, and kind of act more mature in these situations. Because again, you are being a disservice to this organization. You are being a disservice to Stephen C. Lies, who for 20 years has been an assistant coach trying so hard to get a head coach position. And now that he finally has a head coach position, he has to deal with a hot head like James Harden. So you're being a disservice to C-Lies. You're being a disservice to John Wall, who is coming off of that Achilles injury, trying to make a situation better for him and for the team. And what he just said um, um, from the press conference last night, he's saying, come on, bro, we only nine games in. Why are you doing this? Why are we acting like this? We supposed to be acting like a team. And James Harden's not doing it like that. He's not acting like a teammate. He's not acting like a leader. He's not acting like the player that we know that he can. So that's the one side. On the other side, we have Kyrie Irving, where he needs to take a break from basketball. And he needs to take a break from basketball because clearly basketball is not his priority. And we have to go all the way back to the bubble where Kyrie Irving was very hesitant um, um, with playing in the bubble because of these social justice issues. And, you know, he was prompting um, the Players Association as well as other players to maybe double think about the decision to play because of what, what was going on. And Kyrie Irving's been having that same energy ever since. And the thing is, is that nobody is complaining about Kyrie Irving from a standpoint of how he is as far as social justice issues. Nobody is saying, nobody is trying to um, talk bad about him about that. But the point is, is at the same time, you are a basketball player. You have to show up to work and you have to do your job. And just like James Harden, Kyrie Irving is also being the service to Kevin Durant, who is coming off an Achilles injury, playing absolutely great, averaging 30, I believe, eight and seven. So you're being the service to Kevin Durant because the primary reason of him going to the Nets was because of you, so you guys can work together to get a championship. You're being the service to Steve Nash, who has been um, a, a head coach his first year. And, you know, another reason why he went to the Nets is to work it out with you and KD. And you're being the service to everybody else. And Kyrie Irving, he should maybe take a route of like WNBA players like um, Renee Montgomery, Natasha Cloud, where he could just take a break. Take a break. You know, if you're not really focused on basketball, but you're more so focused on issues at hand, and that's fine. But the point is with both of these players, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, they need to really reassess their priorities as far as um, how they're going about being basketball players and as far as doing their job, because both of them are not doing their job really well. I I actually expect James Harden to be who he is because clearly he, he doesn't want to be there for a while. Kyrie Irving, let, let me... There's a lot of things I could bring up about Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Let me start with Kyrie Irving first. First of all, let me get this straight. I know there's a lot of people on the media that's getting on him, talking about, oh, my God, you know, look at this. He's a cancer. He's toxic. He's this and that. Let me get this straight. I have no problem with Kyrie Irving about what he wants to do as far as when it comes to social social justice issues. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I think that Kyrie Irving should do what he wants when it comes to social justice issues. You know, he was on a Zoom call. You know, he was doing something that was, you know, 
talking to, I want to say the Manhattan, Manhattan DA or something like that. You know, he was focused on these things that, that involves around with the community. I have no problem with that now whatsoever. But the situation of you, you don't want to play. Now, 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 let me get straight. I don't blame him for saying he didn't want to play, like you know, last week because what was going on in, in, in the state capitol. I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, what was going on in that state capitol? You, are you crazy? Like, after all the stuff that's going on, I I, I don't have a problem with him saying that, you know what, so right now, I, I, I don't want to play right now. I don't have a play. But you should be able to tell your teammates, tell you, tell the coach, tell your organization, say, hey, you know what? As of right now, in these three, four, five games, I just don't want to play right now. This idea that, you know, that everybody is kind of, I don't know, surprised or to act like this, you know, about what Kyrie's Durbin. Me to be to be real with you, I mean, I didn't, I'm not surprised that this is what Kyrie Irving is doing as a whole. Now, let's let me say this. I respect Kyrie Irving as the person. I have nothing but respect for him and what he wants to do. When he said during the, you know, during the pandemic, well, we still have a pandemic, but earlier about that, you know, we shouldn't play in the bubble because what's going on with black people and during times like this, no problem. No problem now whatsoever. Kyrie Irving as the player is what I am concerned about. And one of the reasons why I even said why I, why I really didn't believe the Nets could even go to the NBA Finals was, you know, first was about KKD coming off of Achilles injury. But about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant could possibly go to OKC 2.0. Okay, so because, exactly. okay, and that's the thing. We talk about all these things about, you know, the reason why Kevin Durant left OKC was because of Russell Westbrook, okay? Now, we could. Russell Westbrook, he, he ain't going to miss any games. He's going to play every game. He, he's available. It don't, it don't matter. But Kevin Durant wanted Kyrie Irving. He wanted Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving is making these, making these ideas and doing, Oh, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what I got to do. Knowing the fact that we still got a season going on and the chemistry of the team, the locker room, those things matter. That, that, that matters a lot when you're on the basketball court, a whole lot as a whole. If Kyrie Irving wants to take the Maya Angel, I mean, sorry, I was about to say Maya Angelo. Hold on, let me, let me bring that up. <laughs> you know, hey, if you want to do Maya Angelo, you know, that's, I ain't got no problem with that. <laughs> I had to bring that back. I had to bring that back. I had to bring that back. But um, if he wants to take the Maya Moore situation, because she sit out for about a season or two and probably even more because she hasn't retired yet. But listen, if look, if he wants to do that, I am fine with that, but he should not put himself in a situation where stuff like this is going on. Okay. All right. And listen, he don't need, he don't need to get any more money from the NBA. He's good. Kyrie Irving needs to be, needs to do this in a professional way. What he does for social justice. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But as far as what he's doing now, nah, bro, you need to do a better job. And we need to look at Kevin Rand and say, Hey, KD, bro, listen, you need to, you need to hold your boy accountable for what he's doing let's be real now james harden <laughs> if anybody listen if i am a teammate uh of james harden if james Harden's my teammate and he says the team we are three and six okay we play nine games we got uh what 63 more games left in the season and you say we're just not good enough i will feel some type of way 
we three and six. Now, obviously, he's doing it because he doesn't want to be there. And obviously, Houston is in a situation right now where they can listen. Houston, they want to make sure that, look, we want to keep you at least for the season. But we, I mean, we were just going to trade you. But I don't know, man. Like, that's that, that attitude right there. That's a cancer in a locker room. That's toxic. Okay. You, you just, you, you as a player, like that is so toxic when you are doing something like that. And James Harden, he, I mean, James Harden knows what he's doing. He ain't dumb. And if he thinks for a second that he's going to get traded to the Nets, and I know the Nets are trying to get James Harden. I don't see the purpose of James Harden going to Brooklyn when you got Kyrie and James Harden and Kevin Durant on the same team all right philadelphia i understand but the way like i said but the way that james Harden is that that whole toxic situation gotta go but i think that you will reach havoc if you bring james Harden and Kyrie with kevin Durant in brooklyn that will be toxic as ever period absolutely agree and as far as where james Harden should ideally go I feel like the Philadelphia 76ers might be the more better option just because, again, you won't have to deal with the drama of having Kyrie and James Harden in your roster. But most importantly, though, Philadelphia is really improving offensively, specifically from the perimeter. Joel Embiid can hit shots. Danny Green, you know, he had to tell a friend, he had to tell a fan, hey, I got three rings, man. And guess what? Oh, he, he, say, he, he said more than that. <laughs> yeah, way more than that. But the point is, he got those three rings because of his shooting ability. And I believe when you add James Harden to that equation, and of course you put him more into um, the forefront of that offense with Ben Simmons, Joel, and then Danny Green, as well as other like key additions like Seth Curry, I feel like that would be a great thing for the 76ers. I feel like having a coach like Doc Rivers – Doc Rivers can maybe somehow kind of help James Harden as far as his diva issues. Because my thing is, is that I believe that going to another team is not going to primarily solve the issue eternally with James Harden. I feel like James Harden is going to be the way he is wherever he goes. But the point that I made a couple of weeks ago is that if you having all this talk about, you know, wanting to be on the championship caliber team, you have to have that attitude. And mm-hmm. Doc Rivers, he don't play about that. So most certainly the 76er will be a more ideal situation because of the personnel that he will be um, adjusted to, as well as being around an offense that he's already been accustomed to. And you know, and you know for sure, like that's not gonna fly when you go to when you when you go to Philadelphia, that won't fly. That <laughs> You think that's going to be great? That would not fly in Philadelphia. That me, you thought that. Listen, you were in Houston with all that media attention. Just imagine what's going to be like when you go to Philadelphia. Okay, all right. You you could tell that the heat that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, which we're going to talk about later, the heat that they were getting in Philadelphia. Oh Lord, when Ella Iverson was in Philadelphia, you remember the heat that he he was getting? Oh, y'all better realize what type of heat James Harden would get. If he's doing all that in Philadelphia, oh shoot, y'all must be crazy. He's you know, and I'm gonna be honest, and, and I want to talk about this. I really want to want to ask you two. This it's a two part question. One, 
Do you expect Kyrie Irving to retire retire sooner rather than later? That's one. And two, do you expect James Harden to be to be traded by this week? I don't expect Kyrie Irving to retire sooner than later. Um, I don't really feel like it should be that extreme as far as retiring, but I do. I definitely believe that Kyrie Irving needs to take a break. If you need to take the whole season off for whatever reason, go ahead and do it. I mean, obviously that would really be a bad situation considering, you know, everything that's transpired before this and the main reason that pretty much for the Nets, this is championship or bust almost for them. So that's that. And then as far as James Harden, I do believe that he needs to be traded. I mean, flat out. That, this week? Like, yeah, this week. Oh, you need to get okay. it done. Like, flat out. Like, that very last sentence when he, 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 um, where he said that I don't think, I don't think anything is going to be fixed, that tells you right there where his head is at. Mm. That tells mm. you right there. So if I were the Houston Rock, and, and the thing is, I understand the Houston Rockets waiting to be patient. But at this point, I don't feel like the Houston Rockets have any more leverage. Really? No, I don't. I don't. I don't feel like they have any more leverage. I just feel like at this point, you need to do it now. Just get it done. Because because from what James Harden has said, and then basically what other teams are thinking. Because my thing is, too, is Philadelphia and like other teams are making deals. But just like I said before. I don't feel like James Harden going to another team is going to change his attitude. No. I don't. Now, now the people on that team will change his attitude, but just being on that team is not going to change his attitude. But but, but, but here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. If you trade James Harden, listen, if I'm Houston, if I'm Raphael Stone, and just to be very clear, uh, James Harden didn't, didn't intend to practice. Coach Steve Sauer, he's like, look, we ain't going to let this guy come to practice. We just feel like it would be best for the team if he don't attend to practice let me be very very clear about this if i'm the houston rockets i'm going for the bank i'm going for the bank i'm going for the school the hospital i'm going for the supermarket for james harden if it ain't one of those four assets then it ain't nothing i'm plain and simple it ain't nothing it ain't nothing come on now okay if you're gonna trade him i need the bank for this guy absolutely you need that bank and like I said, from his comments, the Houston Rockets should be on it right now as far as getting this man out of Houston because I'm telling you, things are not going to get better. Things are not going to get better. And to be honest, I feel like Absolutely. I feel like the Nets should start thinking about that too because I don't feel like it's going to get better for the Nets as well as far as the Kyrie Irving situation. This is something that's going to go on, and I would not be surprised if a trade happens as soon as possible. Uh, what's going on, especially with the whole Kyrie situation. Like, that's something that's going to be interesting. So, huh. all right, we are back on the bounce as always. We are back. We have a special guest, special guest, special guest in the building. He uh, used to play football at Cast Tech, by the way. I just want to let y'all know about that. And also, he is a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Ohio State Buckeyes. I know we're going to have some good times with him. <laughs> and by the way, he used to... um Used to be on the overtime uh, sports radio with me, Sims, and you know, uh, during the days, during our college days and whatnot. But here it goes, my my friend, my guy, John. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. I appreciate the uh, the introduction. How y'all doing? 
Yeah. Oh, we do. We doing nice. We doing good. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. I've been looking at my phone constantly for hours. Those <laughs> just keep coming and coming and coming. Yes, it, it's it's becoming. But we got to get started because I know I got a lot of questions for you. Oh my goodness, you've been having a very good day. On Saturday, Cast Tech lost to Belleville. On Saturday, on Sunday, your Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. In the yeah. playoffs in the wild card playoffs, and then Ohio State, they lost to oh my god, they lost to Alabama. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. But let's start right here. What the hell happened to your Pittsburgh Steelers? You know, I honestly, since uh Ben went down last year, um, I knew he was he was pretty much done. Like you could just tell in the way that, that he played in that stretch of time. And then he still has some, obviously some greatness in him just from the way he played in the second half of last year and the first half of this year. But at, at times you could just see where his body just couldn't hold up anymore. And he was just, he just took so many hits over time and he was a, a big target as it was. So usually big guys like that. I mean, he wasn't, he, he wasn't a, a smaller nimbler guy, so he couldn't evade a lot of bigger hits. So it just took his toll over time. You know, and that's interesting that you really brought that brought that up. And honestly, I feel like that they really messed up or they really went down since they decided to not pay Le'Veon Bell and didn't keep um, Antonio Brown in check. Do you feel like that the fact that they didn't take care of those two players is the reason why they're in the situation that they are today? Not not necessarily. Just because both of those situations were so unique. Um uh, particularly with uh, Antonio Brown, but uh, with Le'Veon Bell, I would have liked for them to pay Le'Veon Bell just because how versatile he was. You could you could definitely see where James Conner isn't the type of back that Le'Veon Bell was. Yes. Like he, he just wasn't. Like you can use Le'Veon Bell in a lot of different ways. Whereas a big Ben, he could use that check down and Le'Veon to get you a five a five quick yards. Whereas James Conner is not that type of back you can use in that way. So having Le'Veon definitely would have improved the team. But at the same time, when you lose like that to the Browns, you're gonna need more than Le'Veon to, to to be there. Like that that was mm. that was just bad all the way around. Like Yeah, that was. Go ahead, L'Oreal. So considering the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are no longer the team that we know that they were with Antonio Brown A B, um, considering this new type of offensive line that they have with the rookie, Chase Claypool, you know, Juju. James Conner, do you believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers could still be that team? Or do you believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers maybe should consider moving on from Ben Roethlisberger and maybe going into a completely new era altogether? Yeah, um, in, in regards to the to the skill positions, I think that uh, Juju, Chase Claypool, those are, are great weapons to have. Like, I couldn't be happier as a, as a Steelers fan to have those two guys. And then James Conner is a decent back, but uh, at the quarterback position, I think we should really try to to get Deshaun Watson. Like, I think that's a really good piece that we could use in our in our offense. Um, and that that to me, it should be the the Pittsburgh Steelers' number one um, objective right now. And then on the defensive end, I think we have some pieces as far as T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, uh, um, Hayward in the middle. Like I, those those guys are are really strong in those positions. And then. Um, we got the uh, linebacker from the uh, the Jets uh, through through. I think it was a trade. I can't remember what we traded them, but that w- that was another good piece that we got. So I think we still have the pieces for a good team. Um, I think that 
getting that superstar quarterback and Deshaun Watson will really bring all the pieces together again. And it's very funny you mentioned Deshaun Watson because just earlier I made a take about simply Deshaun Watson needs to be a part of a team that has that personnel and those weapons that can be there for his best interest. And I mentioned the Miami Dolphins, but that's very that's very interesting that you mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because that actually would be a really good situation because considering how talented Deshaun Watson is as a quarterback and how essentially he's almost wasting his years in Houston, he does need to be in a team like Pittsburgh where he can compete right away. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then especially having Mike Tomlin as a head coach, I think that that also assists in, in just his his uh, mental well-being that uh, he has someone in his corner that he know that he can talk to for certain things that I guess in the Texans uh, organization that he didn't feel like he had. So I do want to bring up another team and the fact that your Ohio State Buckeyes got their butts beaten by Alabama. And, you know, this is something interesting I want to bring up. I mean, what can you say, man? What are your, what happened to the to Ohio State, especially with Justin Fields? So honestly, ever since the um, what year was that? That was the the year Cardell Jones had won the the Super or the um, the college uh, yeah. championship that year for Ohio State. Like I, I just never had the same like passion for the team. Like I would still keep up with them from time to time, but. Um, especially after like this year, like I kind of just stopped watching college football. Like, I feel like they, they need to be paid. Like, like it, it didn't, it's not just because of that, but that added on to the, like my just, um, I don't know, just, just displeasement with, uh, the NCAA in general, like just kind of waned on my, my, um, fandom over time. And I just, just kind of stopped. Time to stop watching them. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, we got some breaking <laughs> news now. We got some breaking news. What's up? I'm, James Harden got traded to the Nets. That are you serious? Yeah, he got said he got traded to the Nets. So wait a minute, what did they do with Kyrie? I, I don't know. Well, we don't know yet. We don't know, but Jay, but this is reported according to <sighs> wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. According to Woj, James Harden is being traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Whoa, uh, John. See, that's crazy. Because uh, it says it, 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 it a block. It says it's a block bust block. I can't even say it right. A block bust. Blockbuster trade. trade. Yeah, I can't. I don't know why. But I can't that's say interesting it right. because literally, like twenty minutes ago, multiple sources was pulling out like literal targets that the 76ers was trying to give out. They was trying to give out um, um, Tyrese Maxby, um, um, uh, Matisse Thybul, like. They was literally going to pull like a huge, huge package where essentially 76ers will give up Ben Simmons, Maxby, Thibault, and like maybe two to three other future round picks just for James Harden. Wow. They so are I'm just I'm so it says that the Nets are trading. I mean, obviously they're getting James Harden, but they are going to be sending, as of right now, as we know, they are sending four first round draft picks. And four draft swaps to the Houston Rockets. That's the reports we got. Wow. We know now. So, John, what are your thoughts about James Harden being in Brooklyn, and assuming that Kyrie is still there? 
I mean that that's that's another chance of that OKC type team that yeah, we oh, yes. Russell Westbrook, KD, and, and James Harden. Like those <laughs> those three, like you and you replace Kyrie, who's a better shooter than Westbrook uh, was and ever was, and a better handler. Yes. Um, like that's that's something that's going to really challenge the the Lakers. Like they they instantly become one of the top teams in the NBA. So wait, wait, wait. So so are you concerned about how they're going to play together? James Harden, Russell, I mean, not Russell, wait, hold on. I'm thinking about OKC. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, you're not concerned about how they're going to play as a team and chemistry-wise? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always a concern how guys are going to play together. But, I mean, just talent-wise, like, you can't, like, there's there's hard to find another top three as far as talent, like, in the NBA on one team than those three guys, like, especially on the offensive end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, offensively. So wow, L'Oreal, you you take the floor. This is this is just this is interesting. <laughs> I mean, wow. Um, obviously, yes, James Harden to the Nets is going to be a big deal because the Nets already lost Spencer Dinwiddie, who had a breakout season of averaging nineteen points, I believe, eight rebounds, seven assists. The point is, is that he was a main playmaker, and that really worked especially knowing that KD and Kyrie are still coming off injuries and that low management is going to be a pivotal part of making sure that your two main guys remain healthy. So obviously losing Dinwiddie was a little bit of a loss, but now that you have James Harden, that is definitely going to be a win. But it's really difficult for me to be excited about this just because of what's been going on within the past 48 hours. I mean, like, this could either be really good or just a complete high funky mess. And I'm trying so hard to not think of it as a high funky mess. But, I mean, we have Kyrie Irving where he's treating this like a nine, not not even like a nine to five. Like, he's treating it like I treat online classes. Like, I'll be there when I be there. (laughs) Like, that kind of situation. And it's just to the point where people are really, really – they're they're really really questioning whether or not basketball is priority for Kyrie Irving. So that's another thing. Second thing is James Harden. You know I'm not gonna fat shame. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully he's not having too many wings at the strip club, and hopefully he won't have any more <laughs> anytime soon. Oh but God. as far as it goes, considering <laughs> the All Star talent that he is, you can't be looking at you can't be looking like that. So you can't be looking like that. And on top of that. You know, is going to the Nets really going to change James Harden's attitude? Because as far as I'm concerned, obviously we know why he acted like the way he acted, because he wouldn't have gotten used to it. But I feel like there's more deep internal issues and ego issues as well. And if I'm thinking of KD, you know, we can talk about KD all we want about him going to the team that was 72 and 10. The point is, is that KD goes to work. He goes to work. As far as I'm concerned, he's not much of a diva as Harden and Irvin is. So I'm just concerned about this being a complete circus for the wrong reasons. I just didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to say, I just didn't know who else is going to be with the Rockets. I didn't know. Because just, I mean, John, you gotta know, just giving up draft picks, that ain't enough, bro. I need the bank. I need to know who they giving up. I need to know who they gave up, fam. But I don't know, John, like, can you see a situation that 
with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, if that's the case, can you see them, you know, beating the Lakers? I mean, yeah, you can definitely see them, especially if they're all like if their games mesh the way like you would want them to. Of course, they I could see them them beating the Lakers, but it's just that will it? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, might. that's best case scenario for those things to come together. It's that's a long way until you get to that point where they can play in that in that style. But um, they have the talent too. Like I'll say that. Like they they definitely got the talent too. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, this is not the James Harden where he was in OKC. I mean, he's not going to come off the bench. So yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, how do you play him now? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Kyrie needs the ball. Harden needs the ball. KD needs the ball. What are you going to do? Yeah. And 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 especially between Kyrie and um and more so James Harden, they have a very ball dominant game. Yes. So it's, it's, it's that's going to be very interesting to see how they mesh with KD and how he's going to want to. And you know, KD want to get his shots too. So it's not like. Mm-hmm. They just gonna be able to pound the rock to you know however many times minutes a game that they used to. So yeah, interesting. So who takes the last shot? I mean, at that point, whoever's open, like <laughs> <laughs> anybody. <laughs> right, right, right. Now I'm kind of thinking, what happened to Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, Jared Allen? Like, what happens to these guys? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like those, I, I mean, obviously they would get less roles, but at the same time, you they would probably give more impact just because they wouldn't have to play so many right. minutes, so they could, you know, come in, in smaller bursts, but in, in, in more impactful ways. Um, yeah, that's that's probably what will happen. They lose a, a couple minutes each. <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's there's gonna be more talks about this in Bleacher. I'm, I'm gonna keep this going. And once Demarcus Cousins said, and this is what he said on, on an interview, he said. The disrespect started way before any interview. Once when the Marcus Cousins said that, you know he was gonna be gone. Like it, it was over. It's over. Even what John Wall said. John Wall was like, you can't say you want out and, and try to quit after nine games. And this is exactly what I'm saying about James Harden's attitude. Like, well, first of all, I don't really understand why Houston couldn't get nobody else. Like four draft picks along with, you know, four of the trade dumps, like, that don't really make sense. But, again, like you just said, James Harden was being a disservice to the organization. He was being a disservice to Stephen Silas, who for 20 years has been an assistant coach, and he's finally got a head coaching position. And you want to sit up there and pretty much be hard-headed for no reason. So that's that. Then you have the Marcus Cousins and John Wall, two players who pretty much are trying to recover from horrific injuries that could have potentially. So, oh, I, I, I got some more. So I just found out that uh, the Rockets, uh, they're, well, I'm going to say this. So they're, the Rockets are, are, it said, Wolf said the Rockets are expanding the deal to send Karis LeVert to mm. the Pacers. For Victor Oladipo. What? So it's a three-team trade. Yeah, yeah. As of right now, so Cares Levert. Oh wow. So basically, Victor Oladipo is going to the Houston Rockets, and Cares Levert is going to Indiana. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean. So Victor Oladipo. Wow. Indiana. I mean, John. Wow, John. John Wall on the yeah. Rockets. That's yeah. interesting too. Right, that is. This is, oh my God. 
I'm. <laughs> wow. I just saw your face and I knew something was up. I was like, something must have happened <laughs> again. So where's so is Kyrie still with Brooklyn? Like, <laughs> I guess for now. Like. <laughs> wow. But honestly, I'm not gonna lie with Levert. You probably had to move Levert because I don't know, like that situation, the way how things got to be, he had to be moved. Like, I mean, John, like, can you imagine Levert being with Kyrie, James Harden, and KD and him like come off the bench? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Levert would want to. Like, I, I, I don't think you you would be down for that. No. But that was initially the plan. The plan was, okay, so the initial plan was that when Spencer did when he was healthy, he was starting and it was going to be Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris, KD, and Kyrie Irving. Steve Nash was going to put Karis LeVert in the bench. And my first initial thought was like, oh, you know, he could be in the running for six-man year. because." And the thing is, too, you know, it was a little bit early into the season. But that first game, when I saw Karis LeVert play off the bench, he played for 20 minutes. He scored 22 points. So, and the thing is, too, is like Carol Avert, Carol Avert is very dynamic in the way that he moves. He is aggressive nearly 100% of the time when he plays. So it would have worked out if he was on the bench because he would have had those 20 minutes to really be out there and perform and possibly give the Nets a really good run, maybe in some situations where Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving you know, had off days or when load management had to come to the play. But I'm very interested to see how he would play in Indiana because, you know, assuming that he's going to be the starter, he's going to be surrounded by Michael Brognum, Sabonis. Oh, he will be a starter. Oh, oh, Levert is starting. He ain't coming off the bench. No, absolutely. He will be starting. It's very interesting to see how he would start along with that personnel. Like, it'll be very interesting. Wow. Uh, This is, this is... Yeah, that's, that's I, I, I'm kind of speechless. I, now like, I gotta wrap my head around this. Like, <laughs> do y'all understand how I feel right now? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I it, like my mind's really powered up. Like I don't know what else to say right now. They probably gonna make some more. Tra- All I know is that Brooklyn's gonna give up a lot of draft picks. A lot. I'm talking about. They're gonna have to look. Look. Here's here's with the draft picks. Lord have mercy. The Brooklyn has sinned. Has okay here. So here's here's what oh so this is what they got snap. What the oh my god. Okay, okay. So this is the, this is what they got so far. This is the full current trade. The Rockets will get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, what whatever, all these other people, whatever. It don't matter. All these people that's <laughs> three Brooklyn first rounders. I mean, my guy. <laughs> on 22, no disrespect, but but we talk about the ones who are who are important right now. They got the Three Brooklyn first rounders for 22. Dang, stop moving. 22, 24, and 26. That's what they got right. That's what they got right now. Okay. And they also got the uh, uh, one Milwaukee first rounder in 22, unprotected. They got four first round swaps in 21. That means this year, 23, 25, and 27. The Nets get James Harden. The Pacers get Karis LeVert in a second rounder. And the Cavs get Jared Allen and Tyrion Prince. I mean, Houston is about to be head to head with um, Sam Presti in the draft. <laughs> what the heck is going on? Wait, who was that last team that was in there? Who was the, the last Cleveland, team? The it? Cleveland Cavaliers got Jerry Allen and Terry Prince. What? What? 
James Harden is incredibly talented. There is absolutely, yep. absolutely no question. But I mean, my God, though, like you, de- you, you completely depleted your bench. The really, the really big question is, is it going to be worth it? Mm. And I'm telling you right now, mm. I'm not going to. And the fact that I said that about a guy that's talented, a, a guy that's talented like James Harden, that just that literally just further cements my point about how bad James Harden looked based on his attitude and his actions. I mean, Stephen A. Smith just said it this morning. Kyrie Irving should retire. But Karis LeVert is gone. Tyrion Prince is gone. Jerry Allen is gone. Oh, yeah. Like, and Spencer, you know Spencer Dilly is still he he's still getting them checks though. <laughs> he in Brooklyn, he's like, I'm still catching, I'm still getting them checks. What I got to worry about. But think about all the draft picks that Houston gonna get. Now, obviously, that don't matter until they actually get someone valuable and whatnot. It ain't gonna matter. But still, Houston said, unless I'm getting the bank. I'm not trading James Harden. <laughs> oh my God, fourteen trade. So here's my thing. This is, so I'm 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 gonna go around. Do did Houston really won this trade? Uh, I mean, I, I think they did if they agreed to it. Like I mean, oh, they did. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think they they would have unless they. Thought they could, they would have gotten better if they think they would have, they could have gotten better. That's what I'll say. So, I mean, with the current situation, how things hit stood, this is what they wanted. So they agreed to it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, well, I'll say this whatever happens, this is going to be. <laughs> I mean, see, whatever happens, we're going we gonna to see how this goes. I mean, a little, w- w- listen, what Cleveland does, they're going to do what they got to do. We, we'll just see later on. Indiana with Karis Levert, he he gonna he gonna listen. Indiana gonna be balling. They gonna be balling for sure. They're the winners to me. Man. I mean, getting Levert, that's a steal. That's a steal. And no disrespect to Victor Oladipo, but the way that Levert has been progressing, Indiana's gonna be just fine. Maybe even better. That's... I mean, Houston did get a lot. Like they they got a lot. <laughs> they got the bank. They got a lot. <laughs> like, I mean, oh. they set up for the next, I mean, four or five years, six years. Of, yes. Of, a lot of mobility that they can work with. So, yeah. Yeah. That's Oh, But we, but do we agree that Brooklyn didn't win this trade? Do we agree with that? No, I don't think so. And okay. it's, it's just the point that literally we have no idea how this is going to go. As as positive as I want to be, like, this could really be a hot, funky mess. A hot, funky mess. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not really sure James Harden just going to, you know, flip the switch like that. And I don't even know. I don't. Who knows? Kyrie might Kyrie might retire for the next two hours. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, I have no idea what's going to happen within the next 24, 48 hours this whole weekend. Sure. John, like, have talking about this for three days, and John, you know, John, like, and knowing for you, you like, you pl- you played sports before, and like, we 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 thinking that this is gonna be a toxic situation. Have you ever been like, have you ever played sports with a team with teams that like, where you like, man, this is a very toxic situation. 
I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's in any like team setting, but I mean, yeah. even I mean, workplaces like work teams, like that's that's where a lot of toxic toxicity is. Um, but I mean, as, as far as like the game, like the NBA, like I I want the Nets to be as toxic as possible, just for the entertainment factor on oh Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> and I want them to win the championship while doing it just just because <laughs> wow i want Kyrie to show up in in, in uh kente cloth i want <laughs> on twitter with eggs i want all of it <laughs> oh my goodness well I, I mean so much we talk about ohio state and about yeah, about college football <laughs> this is so much more entertaining like there's just <laughs> it's so much more messy <laughs> wow like oh Oh man, I'm just oh I here's what I would say. What would this be for James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant if they do not win a championship in Brooklyn? Um, I I guess it would it would depend on the reason why they didn't win. Because it, it if they actually come together and play as a team and still don't win, I mean it it, it could be a number of different things. It could be someone choked at the end because it could come down to a, a one possession game, a bounce off the rim, or it could come down to a total meltdown of the team just because of the the um, the uh, fits of their game or the ego. So I, it, I guess it depends on the outcome of the season if if it was worth it and what you know what the legacy ends up being. They may yeah, get to the yeah. finals. <laughs> they gave up a lot for it. So L'Oreal, L'Oreal, woo. What would you think about James Harden if the Brooklyn Nets do not get to the finals now, like this year? Essentially, you know, was this all worth it? Was this all worth it? And this is this is a little bit similar to the Clippers situation as far as the as far as goes the momentum factor. You know, getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard all within the same time. That was a momentum factor. The same thing happened initially when you had KD and Kyrie. That was a momentum factor. So you literally adding James Harden, you're literally adding more fuel to the fire. And as far as I'm concerned, we're going to see at the end of the season if they can manage to stay lit or if they're going to get put out. And hopefully they don't get put out in a really ugly way. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you for being our first special guest for the Bounce Podcast, and we have plenty more going on. And uh, don't worry, John. We got we won't have more for you as far as some things is happening. But oh, yeah, this I'll is be gonna back. be this is definitely gonna be interesting for sure. So Absolutely. that's it. That's it. Thank you, John, for for being part of this, and we will be coming continuing with the Bounce. Thank you. Thank no you problem. too, L'Oreal. Moving on right now to another topic. Well. Something that something happened on Monday, you know, you know what happened on Monday, you know, with the NCAA football championship between Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama are your 2020-21 champions. They they won. They this is their sixth championship in about what in the last 15 years, I want to believe. I mean, with Nick Saban. Nick Saban got seventh, by the way. So they beat them. It was over. You know, it was 52 to 24. It's over. I it was 52 24, right? I believe, or 52 27. I believe. I don't, I, I want to make sure. I, 52 I remember, 24. You was absolutely okay. Right. All right, good, good. I want to make sure because I was, I, I was about to, about to think about that question about that. But listen, Alabama won. They, it was, it was close in the beginning. 
and then it became a blowout real quickly. Um, I just want to bring this up because it's not so much about how great Devontae uh, Smith or or even, you know, uh, Waddle, you know, the guy who could show up for, for a few plays and then <laughs> was on the sidelines and Mac Jones. I really want to bring this up about Alabama, but they ended the season 13 to zero. And, and, you know, and listen, and some people want to talk about it's Nick Saban, the greatest coach, college coach of all time. I think people have, have accepted that. Is Alabama the greatest college football team of all time? Like, like this year? Yeah. yeah. We talk about this Alabama team who, who, who blew out Ohio state, that Alabama team. Yes. Out of all. Yes. That includes the Alabama teams from with Jalen hurts and, and Tua. That includes the Alabama team with Derrick Henry and the boys. That includes all that. I'm talking about. Is this the greatest Alabama team that we have seen this so far? Ever. Greatest college football team ever. Yes. Yes, I believe so. And the reason why I believe so is specifically with this team, you really have a defensive. No, not defensive. Offensive. I was about to say, they even know defense around there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But you have this offensive nucleus. Like you like you just reiterated before. Derrick Henry, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two. Those are single units. This team, you actually have a legitimate trio. A trio of Mac Jones. A guy who can throw, who can complete plays, things like that. You have... Harris, who pretty much helped help transform that running game and to make that running game so, so so superior throughout the season. And then on top of that, you have Devontae Smith. And I'm telling you, Devontae Smith is special. I mean, this brother is special. Like in this championship game, Smith literally looked unstoppable. I mean, we got 215 yards, 12 receptions, Three touchdowns. Like, this kid is unstoppable. And I'm just really looking forward to whatever team picks him up in the draft. You know, you know, maybe maybe he could be a fundamental wide receiver for the Jets or, you know, with Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, something like that. But this is the greatest team of all time because of that offensive nucleus. And I believe this just this just further cements how great Nick Saban is as a coach and as a recruiter, because this is what Nick Saban is looking for. Nick Saban is looking for individual players that can create these nucleuses within the offense and the defense so that Alabama can be unstoppable. And as far as I'm concerned, I've never seen a team, I've never seen Alabama be this surgical and this explosive as a team that has um, um, than I, um, than I haven't seen before. I'm not, I'm not about to deny. Listen, listen, Mac Jones, he was, he was, he was good. He had five touchdowns, even though he was limping at the end. Okay. Okay. All right. So that was cool. Harris, he had two touchdowns. Okay. We understand he, he was special as well. Devontae Smith, Devontae, listen to this thing. Devontae Smith had three touchdowns and then he got hurt. And now this man dressed not even in football uniform. Okay. He on the sidelines chilling. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna say this right now. I mean, like I said, there's other things I could I could bring up. Here's my thing. All right, and I, I'm not. I get I get it a lot, and I understand this high power offense. But the only reason why I will push back 
is because one, it was during a pandemic. That's one. Two, I don't know. Like, I really have this thing about this. And, and, this, and you know, this is just for me. It's not particular to you. But I push back every single time when I hear someone say this is the greatest college football team and you only play against three teams in the playoffs. Okay, you're not really going against almost everybody and you're not going to go against everybody. We understand that. My biggest thing is that they need to expand the college football playoffs because that's the only way how I'm going to believe this was actually the best team. And everybody going to say competition is this competition that look, we could talk about that all day about the competition we want to. But I believe they need to expand it to fully be known, be fully aware that this is what you consider the greatest college football team ever, okay? Yeah, you may be the greatest as far as based on maybe in your conference. Yeah, you, you, you're you the greatest when it comes to Power 5. You know, we could say, you know, maybe, maybe in certain Power 5 conferences and whatnot. But ever, I'm really trying to find out about, I, I don't know, I, I'm going to disagree just because I want to see how things go when you expand the playoffs instead of you just playing against Notre Dame. Okay, you went against Notre Dame. Okay, you went against Auburn, but you played against Ohio State. Okay, I need you to expand the playoffs until I can say, oh, yeah, this is the greatest I ever seen in college. Absolutely, they need to expand the playoffs because these matchups are pretty much determined by default. Exactly. I think for a lot of people, like, you know, they can they can they can definitively say that they're not surprised by who's gonna end up in the top four. And I just felt like, you know, developing the college football playoff in the first place. I mean, obviously you don't have to be like March Madness, but I definitely feel like you need to diversify the competition to um um to what you just mentioned of having the actual competition. To where you know you don't just compete with people within your conference or within your um within your respective rival. You can actually compete a team who are the clear underdogs, and then you can get that competition or basically that um you basically you can get that anticipation going about what's going to happen and that anticipation about you know is this really the best football team of all time? Yeah, and and, and here's the thing. And another thing, another thing I want to bring up is that. It's just that, listen, the FB, Division One FBS decides to have a playoff bracket, okay, of what, 16, 18, 20, 24 teams, okay? We have Division Two that's doing that, Division Three. Listen, there are plenty of college sports that's doing that, but when it comes to Power Five, we're only going to give them four? Really? That, me, doesn't make any sense. That's why, to me, I have a hard time of saying this is the greatest college football team and you're not really going against the best. And, or or you say, oh, well, they would be this team. Well, how do we really know? You don't really know that. Okay? And if you and if you believe so, that's go, it's all about money. That's all, It's all about business as a whole. And deep down inside, they don't really want to see Alabama game bounce in the first round because they feel like it's going to cost them money. Let's just be real about that. Okay? Just, just say that 
And, that, and stop and stop stop acting like, well, this is because of competition. No, it's not because of competition. You're just afraid that Alabama's gonna get their bust with by by some by some team that doesn't get enough enough national attention. And they and they and they got until 2026 to to strain all that because it ain't it's not gonna come next year. Until they do that, then I might think, you know, that I could fully consider the greatest college football team. Like I said, because baseball does it, hockey does it, um, uh Baseball does it. I don't know why I lost the thought right there. Basketball does it. Yeah, yeah. I always say basketball, but Division Two and v- Division Three football does it. You know what I'm saying? And the same, and the same when it comes to football, you got the FBS Division One who's doing it. Okay, we can have we can have situations like this for the Power Five and others that can do the same thing. Plain and simple. But moving on in this situation. So this past weekend. We had the AFC and the NFC wild card results that did happen. Let's go ahead and and you know and and you know talk about the results that's happened because this is gonna be very interesting. Laura, you're gonna get it too. <laughs> All right. Oh my god. Here we go. You're gonna so so here we go. We had the Colts that defeated the Bills on Saturday, especially with the Rams who defeated the Seahawks. The Buccaneers defeated the Washington Football Team also on Sunday. Uh, uh, yeah, on Sunday. The Ravens defeated the Titans. The Saints beat the Bears. And the Browns defeated the Steelers. All right, so let's start with the AFC real quick with AFC wild cards. Which, which game did you say, wow, like that was the best game? That really, that, that really stood out to you the most. Colts and Bills. And when I watched Colts and Bills, it was a very good game with both teams. I feel like the Colts played just as well as the Bills did. But the one thing that really sets the Bills apart is the growth of Josh Allen and the connection with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. I mean, I was amazed when I watched the game as far as how Allen would just fling the football and Diggs will know exactly where to go and they will connect every single time. And, it, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was very amazing to watch because seeing that connection – help produce these really great drives with the Bills. Because at first, you know, Josh Allen kind of struggled a little bit because the Colts' defense showed up and pretty much was um, stopping him. But then eventually, later on that first quarter, they had a really great job, really great drive of, um, I believe, like six plays where Josh Allen was just throwing the fling in the football and and um, um, and Stephon Diggs would connect. Because this one Stephon Diggs had in the game. So Stephon Diggs, he only had six receptions for 128 yards and one touchdown. Constant connection between the quarterback and the wide receiver or essentially your weapon. So so, so that was the main thing. That was the main thing that really amazed me about that game. But the Colts did do a good job. Phillip Rivers, he didn't have a bad game. But Phillip Rivers a lot of times had to depend on the running game to help him because, um, you, you know what I'm saying, like it wasn't like he had bad throws. It's just that he couldn't connect as well as Allen could. So a lot of times the Colts had to rely on the running game to try to um, to basically get the game that close. And obviously if the Rebs didn't mess up on um, the fumble issue, um, you, you know what I'm saying, um, the Bills would have been eliminated. But as far as I'm concerned, the Bills are a really good team. I feel like people should continue to watch out for that connection of Allen and Diggs, and I'm very excited to see how well they play against the Ravens. 
especially if it does snow. First of all, let me say this about the Colts. The Colts should have been in a situation where, I mean, that old line was good. So they made sure they protect um, Phillip Rivers. And, you know, so they did a good job. And, and if it's his last game, then it's his last game. But I feel like that he could still get another year as a whole. He's still good. He's still a decent quarterback. You know, he's just not the same Phillip Rivers who he wants beforehand. So that's the thing about that. But I think there's one AFC game that really stood up me the most. I really would say Lamar Jackson. I really was thinking about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens that that made sure they beat the Titans, you know, to get those, get those demons out that he can't win a playoff game. But you know what? I'm going to get somewhere else. The Cleveland Browns beat Ooh. the Steelers. <laughs> I'm like, and you called it. You said, so they don't have their coach. You. Hey, I'll, I'll, hey, I'm gonna get you later, all right? So don't, don't you all go right, there. But I'm saying I told you before you <laughs> roast me. I look, told look, you. hey, hey, okay, <laughs> I, 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 you got that one, but I'm gonna get you later, okay? So they don't have their coach, they don't have some of their offensive linemen, okay? Offensive tackles and whatnot. They don't even have those guys, and some don't even get injured during the game, and they don't even have Odell Beckham, and they what the heck? They put up 28 points in the first quarter against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, let's let's say most of it had to do with their defense, by the way. Let's be real. That defense, listen, we understand that defense can be good. All right, they can do a very good job. But I'm big, and and Baker Baker Mayfield should get credit for what he did, okay? Especially with Kareem Hunt. I mean, Pittsburgh. What the heck? Big Ben? Ben Roethlisberger? Four touchdowns? But four interceptions? What the heck? Now, people say, he had 501 yards. And he did a good job. Man, that was when he was down. I mean, I just couldn't believe that the way how they were trying to run the football. I mean, James Carter, I mean, look, can I get more than 37? I was expecting more from Pittsburgh. I mean, 48 to 37? Really? Really? And Mike Tomlin, you know, I really, I love Mike Tomlin. You know, I feel like that, listen. He ain't got no losing seasons. He he will he gonna listen. He gonna guarantee you that you ain't gonna have a lose season when you with him. Okay, I really think that this team went downhill once they once they decide to let Le'Veon Bell go because they didn't want to pay him for some odd reason, and they didn't put Antonio Brown on check. I mean, just look at this team. This the Pittsburgh Steelers that we are thinking that this team could be legit or could be running this AFC. It's no longer there. They, they, I mean, seriously, it's like it's. I just feel like that this team has just lost it, and I don't know what to say about this Pittsburgh team anymore because you know Big Ben has one year left in this deal, and James Carden going to have to get paid. He's a free agent, I believe, and other people are free agents, free agents as well. This Pittsburgh team was so disappointing. They, I mean, look, you could have won one, and also Juju who also is a free agent too, you can't be saying this is the same old Browns and then you go and you're doing a dance with the Corvette, Corvette, (laughs) on the logos, same old Browns, right? Boy, listen, this is what happens when you go against a team in your division and you're talking all that junk and then you can't back it up. What what did Juju do? What did Juju do? What did he do in in that game? Make sure it's a great deal. He did Absolutely. nothing. And, um, and, and to pretty much further your point, when we talk about this current season, the main issue I had with the Pittsburgh Steelers is that they got too comfortable. 
I started to notice when that winning streak was extending to 10 games, they started to get too comfortable. And when you get too comfortable, teams can pick up on that, good teams and bad teams. And pretty much, I believe, between weeks 12 to like 16, we started to see that where teams started to get the best of picks back. And I think that's one of the main things they need to work on is stop being too comfortable and stop talking. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's not like Ben Ben is completely depleted of talent. Obviously, you're not the team like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Not at but all. But in my opinion, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really like the rookie, Clay's Chapel. I mean, Clay's, um, Chase Claypool. I'm sorry. Yeah, Chase Claypool. Claypool. I really like him. I like Juju. Like, Juju is a good player. But you need to stop being comfortable. You need to stop talking because I don't understand why Claypool, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and that one video he was live, like, come on, bro. You had the nerve to say, oh, they're going to get clapped after you just lost. Like, no more talking. No more talking till next season. You salty. And, literally. And the Pittsburgh still need to be too comfortable because they just had like this. They had this. They basically had the stench of defeat. And they had the and they had to look at defeat. I mean, Big Ben was just completely defeated. Like he was literally sulking on the bench along with those teammates because he just like, oh my God, like how basically how do we get like this? And it's like you guys were too comfortable. You guys were too comfortable. Y'all wanted to talk too much. And pretty much you can't do that anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like it's okay to celebrate and stuff like that, but as far as how they went to go, saying the Browns is the Browns, like, come on, Juju. You already got embarrassed because of the Corvette, Corvette, TikTok mess. Like, you shouldn't even be talking. Just focus on the Browns, and that's it. And the thing is, too, is these guys are still young. So I'm yep. pretty sure they will learn. But, you know, considering Big Ben and Mike Tomlin, who are veterans that pretty much helped created the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers or pretty much further – um, kept the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers to keep going, you have to have that same energy. So that was the one thing that I've noticed from the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Do you think that, I mean, since Ben Big Ben has one year left on this deal, can you see a situation where where Big Ben can be traded? Absolutely. Um, I, 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 I feel like a lot of teams would make a deal on the table. And as far as I'm concerned, his time is kind of running out. It is. Um, I don't really see the big bend that I used to see with Le'Veon Bell or AB or, e, or, or you know what I'm saying, or even before that early in his career. And it's understandable. Big Ben's been playing a long, long time in Pittsburgh. And, you know, he has done tremendous things. And even though, you know, he has looked like he's aging, he's still performing well for his age. So I feel like any team who desperately need a quarterback, I, um, I feel like a lot of teams will try to make a deal for Big Ben. I feel like maybe Pittsburgh might be better off with getting a younger quarterback. <laughs> well, we're going to see what happens there because it's going to be interesting. Now, and now let's go to the AF NFC real quick. So <laughs> we got a lot of things to bring up <laughs> to talk about the NFC. So obviously we already talked about, you know, as who won, who lost. So which game, you know, that really stood out to you the most? It really pains me to say, because I know that you're going to roast me to oblivion oh. about 
Wait, wait, are you? Oh, wait, is it the game you? Oh, wait. Do yes. You, do you remember? The Rams versus the Seahawks. Already? Hey, hey, underdog, can you play that clip again? And for the Super Bowl, who you have winning the whole thing? I won with Seattle. I feel like Seattle. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm going with Seattle. Wow. <laughs> and I'll admit that maybe I was too optimistic about the Seahawks a little bit. Mm. So, yeah, that was a lie. But um, my thing was, it's like, I never questioned the Rams. I know that the Rams are the good team. But I can't admit that I did underestimate a little bit about that defense because my did. lord you, that you did. Mm -hmm. that defense mm -hmm. is monstrous and that defense is monstrous specifically against the Seahawks because we all we also have to remind ourselves of that um the two meetings that they had before the postseason the defense the defense sacked Russell Wilson 11 times in those two games and in this game they sacked him I believe four times so you know I'm, I'm i'm getting absolute credit to the defense but the main reason why i was so adamant about the seahawks was because of their offense and their offense did deliver they didn't do bad like metcalf metcalf for the most part though he he he, he was covered very well by Jalen ramsey but he still managed to get two touchdowns he still managed to get two touchdowns russell wilson he still managed to push through even though he was really struggling with them sacks. So no doubt, no doubt, I'm not giving credit to the Rams. But I will say the one thing that did caught my eye was the running game, specifically Cam Akers. I mean, Akers had, Akers had a phenomenal game. And he had a phenomenal game more so because, um, more so because Seattle defense isn't really good against the run. So he was just running all over. And I was very impressed by that. And I feel like um, that is going to be a turning point for the Rams. Now, as far as the Seahawks goes, I'm not really sure what's going on, honestly. I don't. I do feel like the Seahawks need to take a different approach as far as having this mantra of letting Russ cook. Because I, I just don't believe that letting, letting Russ cook is really working. Cook. We need cooking? to let the whole team cook, not just like Russ cook. Because specifically, when you go against teams like the Rams with Aaron Donald, who's literally going to come at you like a freight train, you can't just rely on letting Russ cook. Because when Russ fails, the teams fails. So I, so I feel like moving forward this season, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be making a lot of decisions as far as it goes about like who's going to be a team or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, you know, I feel like Pete Carroll should stay. I feel like he should stay. I don't feel like he needs to get fired. Well, but I do believe that Seattle just needed to change their approach. Because the thing is, is that the reason why I was so adamant on Seattle being Super Bowl contenders is because they have the pieces. You have the pieces. You have a quarterback like Russell Wilson. You have um you you have a wide receiver who's looking like you know the second coming of a Calvin Johnson in terms of his dominance in um in his athleticism and DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett. You have a good running back in Chris Carson. But at the same time, your defense still isn't good. And Seattle defense is never going to be like the Legion of Boom. We already know that. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, they can still. Not. Yeah, of course not. But as far as I'm concerned, they can still make sure that they're on the same page as the offense. 
And that's the only thing I feel like Seattle's got to do. Seattle's got to reassess their priorities, reassess their game approach, because you because because the thing is you can't just rely on Russell Russell Wilson to cook. You just can't do that because if he fails, the team fails, and that's what happened in this game. He failed as far as getting over the pressure of that Rams defense. As a result, the whole entire team felt that pressure as well. You want to know what Russell Wilson's QBR was? You want to know what his QBR was? His QBR was 17.6. That was his QBR. Now, and I don't really care about QBRs. I just, you know, but everybody loves QBRs, okay? Okay? Uh, Jerry Goff, who had a uh, was uh, a fractured, broken, a broke, fractured thumb, okay, on mm-hmm. his throwing hand. That man had a 49.7. The man had one touchdown. The man had one touchdown. They had no interceptions. The man was playing below average. And you lost. You lost. You lost to a Russell Wilson. You lost to a guy who was playing below average. Okay. It's not about that the fact that Jared Goff can't play. When he's healthy, oh, for sure, this man can play. This man can play. And I'm not gonna, gonna deny the O-line for the Seahawks was trash. But this idea. That Russell Westman needs to force feed the ball to DK Metcalf. Okay, I understand the new Megatron, as people call it, and all that stuff. I understand about Tyler and Carson and whatnot. I get about all these people that he has. He got weapons. We we not denying that. But the issue that I see is that listen, since the Legion of Doom and Marshawn Lynch has not been with that team. He has not won one playoff game. Think about that. Not one. And that's not to say that Russell Wilson is not a good player. He's a he's a good quarterback. He's top five. Top five QBs in the league. Top five in the league. He's that legit. But Absolutely. there's a reason, but there's a reason why for some reason he's not in MVP conversations. That's a one. There's a reason why for some odd reason he hasn't won a playoff game. There's a reason why he wasn't the reason why they won a Super Bowl championship. It was because of that defense. And maybe if they decided to say, hey, let's go after, hmm, let's go after at some more cornerbacks, you know what I'm saying, go after safeties. I mean, and, and, you know, they don't have Earl Thomas either. Let's go after, let's go ahead and rejuvenate our defense. Then maybe they would be in a pretty much, Better situation. And they need to protect that O-line, too. You need an O-line for sure. They need to focus on that more than we're just going to make Russell Wilson just cook and cook and cook. Because you saw how that worked. Because that Rams were just were just blazing on him. They were going. That was like, Ugh. they was like, they, they was like, they, you know what? They were they were a bunch of dogs that was barking. They said, I'm going to bite you. That's what it was like when, you, when he was going against that Rams defense. Okay? <laughs> okay? And, and the Rams defense is legit. We get that as a whole. But Russell Wilson's decision making and that old line being trash and Pete Carroll, you Pete, listen, I'm going to say this right now. I've been having an issue with this man since 2015. You didn't run that football with Marshawn Lynch against the Patriots. You would have been back to back Super Bowl champions. All right. Just just his ego. I'm really getting tired of Pete Carroll, bro. Like, just run that football with Marshawn Lynch. You wouldn't have this problem. Pete Carroll's is the reason why the Seahawks are where they are today. 
and I'm really getting tired of seeing this coming from the Seahawks. And Russell Wilson does listen. Russell Wilson got to step up, and they need to build build a better defense and a better O line for the Seahawks to succeed. Because they have not been to the N- NFC Championship. Forget about the Super Bowl. They have not been in the NFC Championship since hmm, goalie mine. Since oh, since 2015. We talk about Super Bowl champion coach, Super Bowl uh QB champion. Okay. So I'm just saying right now, that's something that they gotta think about. Because that's something that you gotta change real quick. Russell Wilson is good, but can you can he get you a playoff game without the Legion of Doom, without Beast Mode? And the fact that they lost, hey, look, I'm I'm just gonna say this right now. People disagree with me, but but uh Pete Carroll needs to think about, you know, well, the Seahawks need to think about is Pete Carroll our future, yes or no? Because because look, because five years ago, you know, well, they the last time they won a uh, Super Bowl championship, first one was in 2014. All right, I'm not going by the season, I'm going by the actual year, was February 2014. It could be a listen, we we all know how long that's been. It's, you know, like I said, it's been seven, you know, almost seven years, nearly seven years because going to February. And the only reason why he's still there is because he won a Super Bowl championship. That's it. Which we're going to talk about someone a little bit later. But <laughs> we'll see how that goes right there. All right. So uh, moving on. So earlier this week, we had something interesting that also happened. And obviously, we were just talking about this last week uh, initially. So Doug Peterson who was the Philadelphia head coach, got fired. Mm, that's interesting. And this guy won a Super Bowl championship with the Philadelphia 76ers, where they won in the 2017 season. Obviously, it happened in 2018. That was four seasons ago. And his record for you know with being with the Eagles was a 46-39-1 and 39 record. Okay? And obviously, we should not be worried about Doug Peterson, not whatsoever about him getting a job. He's going to get a coaching job somewhere else. We ain't worried about that. So um, speaking of all that, what are your thoughts about Doug Peterson being fired as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach? My first initial thoughts is that thankfully he was fired because that further eliminates that power struggle. And that power struggle was definitely detrimental to Carson Wentz because at some point in time, the relationship was strained. You know, obviously before um, Jalen Hurts came into um, the organization, it was it, it was strained initially because um, Carson Wentz wasn't performing the way that he should. You know, Doug Peterson was trying the best to look out for him for his best interest. And then, you know, obviously once Jalen Hurts got into the organization and they went back and forth as far as Wentz being the quarterback and Hurts being the quarterback, that relationship took a further strain because Winston at some point couldn't really trust Peterson. Because initially, Doug Peterson was telling Wentz, you know, I want you as my quarterback. I trust you. I'm going to make sure that I look out for your best interests and all of that. And at some point, Carson Wentz felt betrayed. So now that Doug Peterson is out of the um, out of the picture, you eliminate that power struggle. But at the same time, there's still there's still going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on Carson Wentz and on Jalen Hurts because the next coach that comes around, you need to make sure that you play exceptional for this coach. Because if I'm Carson Wentz, I don't want to have to deal with another situation where 
this next coach gets fired and it's because of me. Because the part of the reason that Doug Peterson was fired was because of Carson Wentz, just more so of the fact of this power struggle and the fact that, you know, realistically, when we look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they're arguably the best team in their division. And the fact that you couldn't get it done with a Carson Wentz and the fact that um, he was coming off of the injury, he was looking pretty good, that's pretty alarming. So there's going to be more pressure on Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts as well to basically be exceptional for this next coach. And there's also going to be pressure too for the coach as well because the new coach is going to have to deal with – the thing is, is that the power struggle – was eliminated from because of Doug Peterson, but it hasn't completely gone away. Because when this new coach comes into the organization, he's going to have to deal with the same exact thing Doug Peterson had to deal with. You're going to have to deal with these quarterback issues. You're going to have to deal with the defense still looking like lesser, um, the O-line still looking like lesser. You're going to deal with the fact that you're going to be a part of the organization that plays for arguably one of the worst division of football we've ever seen um, within the past like three to four years. So what Philly needs to do is that Philly needs to make sure that they thoroughly look at whoever they want as their new head coach. And they also need to further figure out what, basically what do they want their vision to be? Because arguably Philadelphia should have won the division. Philadelphia should have been on top of the division numerous times. But the fact that over and over and over and over you keep disappointing yourself and you keep disappointing the city of Philadelphia, you really need to think hard about what vision is, is what vision that you need for the team. Look, I, look I'm just going to be real. I am surprised that Doug Peterson got fired. Uh, I did not see that coming out whatsoever. I am very surprised about that, especially someone who just won a championship, you know, about three, four seasons ago. So that was a surprise to me. And the only reason why this man got fired is clearly either two things that happened. Well, yeah, two things that happened. Well, I feel like all, both of them can be true. The fact that Carson Wentz didn't want to be coached by him, that's one. And two, I believe that he lost that locker room. I think that once that he decided to, to grab Jalen Hurts in the middle of the game last week, I really think that they that more than likely the locker room was like, no, nah, you just you push him out like you really was trying. You say you was trying to win the game, but at the same time, you really was in a situation where you was thinking about something else. And that's the thing. The locker room had an issue. The fact that Jalen Hurts was pulled away from the game in the third quarter or in the, or halftime. It wasn't like this man was hurt. It's not like this man was hurt or Jalen Hurts cannot play. What Philadelphia wanted to see, the football team wanted to see, is that can Jalen Hurts be that guy for you? Can he put you into a better situation? Can he bounce back and win you the ball game? Regardless, I know they were elim eliminated, but that wasn't the point. It was about the future. And because of that, that really rubs the locker room the wrong way. And when the locker room doesn't have the coach back that's the that's that's when you got to go they can talk about Carson once all they want to and all the other things but even the locker room has issues with Carson Wentz feel like that he's a me 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 guy at the end of the day when the locker room doesn't believe you anymore that's when you have to move on 
Absolutely. And with having continuous talks with the owner, the owner at one point didn't really understand what Doug Peterson's vision was for this team. And pretty much if the owner says that about you, then you got to go because he hired you for a reason. He hired you to complete that vision. And initially what the Philadelphia Eagles vision was, was to draft this quarterback in Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State who can, who can, who can pass, who can throw, and is very strong for a traditional quarterback. That was their vision to have Carson Wentz as the franchise quarterback, somebody that can somehow galvanize all the troops in the best way that he possibly can so that Philadelphia can continuously be at the top of the NFC East. And initially it was okay, but you know, obviously Carson Wentz kept dealing with those injuries. And just like you mentioned, Doug Peterson won a championship, but guess who was the quarterback? Nick Foles. And guess where he's at now? He's at Chicago. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he is, he did play a playoff game. I would say that. Right. (laughs) He he didn't technically play, but he was in the playoffs. (laughs) Exactly. But, but my point is that while Doug Peterson did do that, he didn't do his job because a part of his job will make sure that Carson Wentz was that person to take yep. um, the team to the Super Bowl. And that didn't happen. So just like I say, you're not, you're not, you're not fulfilling the vision that you initially had. Mm-hmm. So as an owner, you have to be like, yeah, man, I can't, I can't do this. I you you need to make sure that you're on top of this vision, just like I want to be on top of that vision for the team that I'm owning. Yep. You know what I'm saying? The team yep. that I invested all my money, all my time into. I mean, honestly, I don't know who the new coach is going to be, but whoever is the new coach, I mean, I would, I would like them to go after, go after some, you know, some of these offensive coordinators who can, who could definitely get the, get the platform. Whoever the next coach is, they're going to have to figure out their quarterback situation between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, because that's is going to happen because you're not going to go forward unless you finish that QB situation. Are you going to are you going to run the franchise through Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts? If you're going to run through Carson Wentz, give it a try. Then that's how it's going to go. If not, if you're going to run the franchise through Jalen Hurts, then you need to trade Carson Wentz. Plain and simple. All right. So. Moving on to our another topic, and I know this is something that you really want to talk about, some, something that, you know, I was interested in too, so I, I was like, let's talk about this. So last week on Wednesday, Lonzo Ball and LaMelo Ball played each other. It was the Charlotte Hornets versus the New Orleans Hornets. Well, no, so wait, hold on, New Orleans Hornets. Take Pelicans. that back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Pelicans, wow. You know, I think, you know, because, you know, they used to be the Hornets, so. <laughs> Hornets versus the Pelicans, Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so obviously the Hornets did win, but, you know, they were, you know, obviously, you know, we all know that because they're the ball, you know, they're part of the ball family, you know, with LeVar Ball and whatnot. And so it really did brought in people's minds, you know, since obviously since the season started or even before the season started, you know, LaMelo Ball, you know, he, you know, well, his name, Lonzo Ball was at one point the youngest player to put up a triple-double. Now, all of a sudden, Lamona Ball is the youngest player to put up a triple-double. So they're both doing a very good job. You know, I mean, well, I said the bit. LaMelo is doing, it's really starting out very well, who's in a conversation for Rookie of the Year. And Lonzo Ball, you know, he's still, you know, looking like the third, 
fourth best player on the team. Who would you actually run your franchise? Lonzo Ball or Lamella Ball? If I were to run my own franchise, I would go with Lamella Ball. And here's why. One of the main reasons why I really love Lamella Ball is because of his size and his position. He is so amazing at being that facilitator, that floor general. You know what I'm saying? Like we talk about the floor generals like Chris Paul, you know, those people like that. LaMelo has a very good chance to be that. And the fact that he's like that at his age, that's 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 the most amazing thing to me. That's the most amazing thing to me. So as far as LaMelo Ball goes, he has that court vision. And a lot of times, LaMelo Ball, he knows exactly where to move. He knows exactly where to go. He knows exactly where to do his pick and roll. Like, LaMelo Ball pretty much is always a step ahead as far as what to do for a play. So a lot of times, LaMelo Ball can do no-look passes. He can do those passes that made you look twice. He has a very great ability of doing that. So that's one thing. The other thing is his rebounding. Now, let me remind you, LaMelo Ball is 6'7", 181 pounds. So this kid is less than 200 pounds, and he is literally chucking up in the air almost like he has on moon shoes trying to grab rebounds. And I believe the and, – and to be honest, it's kind, it kind of reminds me of a Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook, he is very aggressive as far as getting rebounds, and LaMelo Ball is the same thing. Like LaMelo Ball can jump as high as like seven-footers just to grab rebounds. And I feel like if I'm looking for a floor general and he can do, and he can do that, I definitely want that on the team. And also um, another thing to mention about that is that LaMelo Ball mentioned in the interview before that he learned that from playing 21. And you and I know, Jabari, that when you play 21, specifically, specifically at those final moments of that game, when you have to make sure you score, you're going to be aggressive. So the fact that he mentioned that, you know, that was another thing that I was pretty impressed by. And also another thing, too, that sets Lamella Ball apart from Lonzo is, is basically his ability to shoot. Now, is he a far better shooter than Lonzo? No, the percentages is the same. But as far as the way that he could create shots, I feel like that's pretty impressive as well. So one of them, so basically the reason why I would pick Lamella Ball is because his excellent court vision, his ability to be aggressive rebounding, as well as um, as well as his improvement perimeter. And I would just put this out there. Shout out to LeVar Ball. Shout out to LeVar Ball. As much as he can be ridiculous as far I as his personality and all of those things, he managed to do he managed to do something that a lot of black fathers look up to. And he managed to get all three of his kids. In the NBA, he managed to get all. Three well, wait, hold on, hold on. Te- technically, Leandro Ball did not play in the NBA. Okay, but, <laughs> he, but, but he still was a part of the team. He, he still no, got drafted. He got, he got no, 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 no. Leandro did not get drafted. He got undrafted. He played in the G League, but he didn't technically play on an NBA team. He didn't play. He didn't even play preseason. He didn't play preseason. So let's let so ho- let's hold on for one minute until he play an actual NBA game. Then we can say it. Lavar did make sure that he did get his two sons. I was I would give credit about that. But continue. Absolutely, and we got to give credit to him because just like I said before, he managed to get 
his kids in the NBA. He managed to make sure that his kids knew as much as they can about the NBA and playing basketball as much as possible. And for the most part, Lonzo and LaMelo both have a lot of work to do, but I feel like there are I feel like they are both going to be promising players in the NBA. All right, let's go ahead and keep this 100%. Obviously, it's going to be LaMelo Ball. I Before the season began, I was like, oh, yeah, LaMelo Ball looked like that he was going to be the best, the better ball out of all. And, yeah, I mean, even though, you know, LaMelo Ball is his all-around play, you know what I'm saying? I'm, of course, he need to put some weight on. I mean, he, he's skinny as hell. He need to put some weight on for sure. And he needs to shoot the ball better. Those are things that needs to happen. He clearly needs to do that. It's obviously LaMelo Ball, and he's doing it, and he's doing this coming off the bench. But if we're going to be honest, the only reason why we're not picking Lonzo is because we have not been impressed of what Lonzo Ball has done. Lonzo Ball has been this. He ain't, he's not a scrub, so let's just be real about that. If Lonzo Ball did not get the, get the media attention that he got due to his dad, Lonzo Ball will be a second-round draft pick. He will be a second-round draft pick in the 2017 NBA draft. And to be realistic with you, he's not even a top 10 player in his own draft. Markel Fultz is a better player than Lonzo Ball. Jason Tatum, bam. Okay, bam out of bio. Donovan Mitchell, come on now. Kyle Kyle Kuzma was a better player in his rookie year than Lonzo Ball. That's already five right there. Laurie McKinnon, okay, him. Okay, who was John Collins? Come on, De'Aaron Fox, who outplayed you in college. That's eight right there. Come on, Jerry Allen is a better player than Lonzo Ball. I would even say Derek White and OG Aganobi are better players than him. And so for this thing about, oh, well, you, you hating on Lonzo Ball. No, look at what he's doing on the court. He's not yeah. that guy. He's he's not. Listen, he ain't he ain't a franchise player. He's not a superstar. He's not an all star. He's not a star. He's just he's average. But but let me say this. He's a he's a two star. He's a two star out of five stars player. That's all he is. That's who Lonzo Ball is. Yo, let me you, just say this. Go, I feel like ahead. I feel like a lot of people should give more credit as far as how he is as a defender. He is a far yes, better absolutely. defender than Lamelo. Absolutely. Yes. And I feel like at this point, and I'm pretty sure Lonzo already know this. Does he's he? He's not going. Well, yeah, I think so. I really think so. I mean, for the most part, if it wasn't for, if his dad wasn't as radical as he is, I think you know Lonzo would be you know okay and probably understand like who he really is. And as far as I'm concerned. Lonzo is just not going to be an all-star player. But is he going to be a complimentary piece? Absolutely. That's why I like the situation um, with him, with the Pelicans, with a Brandon Ingram, with a Zion Williamson, because he doesn't have to be that star. You know, he could be the guy. And that's the thing. Like, honestly, I feel like Lonzo is going to be okay just being a guy putting up 10 to 15 points. But just like I said, people – know you as a well-remarkable defender. He's averaging 13 points, four rebounds, and four assists. What, 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 you averaging four assists? What are you doing? What What are you supposed to do on the court? You're supposed to, you know, listen, 13 points, cool. You you you, you averaging 13 points. 
he's improving on how he shoots the ball because the way how he was during the season, it was ugly as ever. Okay. It was ugly as it was fugly. Okay. That's how bad it was. And that's but my you know issue. what you also notice too. You also notice that Lonzo Ball is most likely going to be moved to like the two or even like the three spot, not the one spot. So basically what I'm saying, basically what I'm saying point is, guard. Yeah, but what I'm saying is maybe he doesn't need to be a point guard. What I'm saying is obviously his expectation was completely inflating because of because of being LA number one, within the pressure of being LA. Um, number two, LeVar um, being on his back and just being the nuisance and all of those things. And what I'm saying is, is that when you see him move to the Pelicans where he can play alongside a collective group of Ingram and Williamson, and I think for the most part, everybody knows that Williamson and Ingram is going to be the forefront. Everybody else is going to be complementary pieces. Lonzo Ball, to me, seems like a guy where he could just be a third or fourth best player and contribute. LaMelo Ball, on the other hand, he's not like that. LaMelo Ball has tremendous court vision as well as his ability to be aggressive as a rebounder to where, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like the Hornets should just let him start. Let him start because I feel like what he's contributing off the bench, he can contribute as a starter. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for a little bit with Lamelo because I, I want to take. I want to take this time because you know, you know that you know if the season would have ended, they would have been in the playoffs right now. That's how crazy it is. <laughs> well, you know that the, the season's going crazy due to due to the pandemic and Absolutely. everything. So, so it's, it's it's just interesting for us. So we'll we'll just see because they already play like nine games, nine, ten, eleven games. Okay, but my thing is that I get that. But but just think about this. Lonzo Ball, his it seemed like his growth is stunt or something. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know because the idea of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson needed the ball. You know, this is the reason why he could not live up to where he was in L.A. Playing with mm-hmm. LeBron James. I mean, I just don't see how Lonzo Ball can step up. That's the reason why that Lonzo Ball is playing in a contract year. Because we're trying to see what Lonzo Ball can do. Because I'll be real, I would not be surprised if Lonzo Ball is not with the Pelicans. After I wouldn't be surprised he is he if he's a unrestricted free agent. And he's in his fourth year, fourth year. Right. C- fourth come on, year. come on. We need to see something right here. I'm not saying that Lonzo Ball is a bust. He's just not top ten in his own draft. And Lonzo right. Ball is going to have to step. And he's really just going to have to step up. Okay. And I mean, as far as like his expectations. Um, you know, early into his career, his growth at this point is stagnant. And just like you say, you know, hopefully this season and soon he does get it together to this expectations. But what my further point is, is that maybe my further point is that I feel like we need to let go of this idea of Lonzo Ball. Because think about it, when he used to play in Chino Hills, and used to play in UCLA, we had this idea of this, of Lonzo being potentially a really good floor general and a point guard. I don't see him as a point guard anymore. I see him as a shooting guard or a small forward. Like literally, that's what that's what the Pelicans are doing. They're moving him to the two or three spot because it seemed like as a two or three spot, he can focus more on not being a facilitator, but more so approving his shot and really focus on being a very good defender. 
I didn't have really a lot of expectations for him before he got into league when he got drafted number two. I didn't really have a lot of expectations for Alonzo Ball in the first place. So for him to be this two or three, I don't know. Like I said, be a three. He needs to. He really needs to be the one. It's not like he can't pass the ball. All right. So here you go. You got the AFC and NFC divisional playoffs coming this weekend, and it's gonna be a showdown. It first was, you know, it started with what fourteen that was in the playoffs. Now there's only eight. So here we go. Start on Saturday, and then we're gonna go on Sunday. First game. Los Angeles Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. Who do you have right there? Green Bay Packers. I agree. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers as well. Next matchup, Baltimore Ravens versus the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, I had a hard time with this. I'm going with Buffalo. Okay. All right. All right. I, 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 I don't. Listen, I understand that, and I, I feel like that my mouth was on the mic right now. Wait, hold up for me. <laughs> I get that. I understand why you would pick Buffalo, but the only reason I'm gonna disagree, I'm gonna go with the Buffalo. I'm blah. I'm not gonna go with Buffalo. I'm going with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I feel like that the best thing ever was for the Ravens to finally win a playoff game and get the monkey off their back. Now it's the time to say, you know what? Whether it's snow or not, I'm going to see Josh Allen and the Bills, and we're going to beat them in a close game. There's some people who That's can handle. True. There's some people who can handle cold weather, and I believe that the Baltimore Ravens, with Lamar Jackson and others, they can get that job done. All right. And I just wanted to add this about the Ravens. Um, another reason why that playoff win was so important is that they finally let Lamar Jackson run the football. Absolutely. Let him run the football. I feel like this season, Lamar Jackson had to deal with trying to be the traditional quarterback at times where he's not like that. Well, nobody can run the football as good as Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. So I feel like from now on, moving forward to where the Ravens want to be as far as their um, success goes, let him run the football because once he runs the football, he can control that tempo. And I believe that Hollywood, Mark Andrews, and everybody else as well as that defense is going to follow through. Absolutely. We're going to see how it goes. It's, uh, Saturday is going to be very interesting. I'm definitely going to be intrigued to see. It's going to be on Fox and on M NBC. All right. On Sunday, you have the Cleveland Browns versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you have right there? Chiefs. Oh, Chiefs as well. Chiefs is going to blow them bad boys out. They're going to beat the Browns. Listen, Browns, you guys won your game the first time since 1995. That's when they actually had Bill Belichick. And they were going against the New England Patriots. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> so, listen, the Chiefs are going to beat them. Pat Mahomes, Travis, you know, I mean, come on, Bell. Come on, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Andy Reid, that's the coach. It's over. Okay, the Chiefs are going to blow them bad boys out. They will beat the Browns. And last but not least, the main event on Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. I'm going with the Saints. Hey, I agree with that. I'm going with the Saints as well. Drew Brees, Kamara, Michael Thomas back. I mean, what more can I say? 
and the I, and defense? I, yeah. Oh, that oh, that defense is going to be great. That defense is going to be sensational. It's going to be strength on strength. Tampa Bay's offense versus uh, Saints, uh, Saints defense. It's going to be legit. So we definitely going to see how this goes. I'm definitely intrigued on this weekend and see who's going to be in the AFC and NFC championship. So you got the Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC championship. I got Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC championship. And then the NFC, you have Green Bay versus the Saints. I agree. I got the Green Bay versus the Saints as well for the NFC championship. So we'll see what happens. But don't go away, folks, because we have a take from L'Oreal. So L'Oreal, go with your take. Houston, we have a problem. And no, I'm not talking about James Harden for the 50,000th time. And no, I'm not talking about the Houston Astros. I'm talking about the Houston Texans and specifically why they are such a disservice to Deshaun Watson. So you had Deshaun Watson, a kid that came out of Clemson. This is a kid who who's pretty much a very great act. He got um, his mind, he got his, he got his head forward, mind straight. And from day one, since he's been a part of this organization, he's been determined to make sure that, you know, everything falls on him. Everybody's looking at him. And he's been performing like that ever since. But it seems that the main reason why the Houston Texans can't get to that, can't get to that level that everybody knows that they can is because of the organization and specifically the relationship between Deshaun Watson and the organization. At this point, the organization is pretty much pretty much playing secrets with Deshaun Watson, keeping things behind his back and therefore having a lack of transparency. So the first moment of that is when you have Bill O'Brien as the head coach in the GM, which I don't even understand how they even make sense. But as far as that goes, Bill O'Brien makes a decision to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. And we know how special DeAndre Hopkins is. And as far as I go, and as far as that goes, when you get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, first of all, you get rid of that friendship between Watson and Hopkins because both of these brothers went to Clemson, number one. And number two, on top of that, when you got rid of Hopkins, you failed to get somebody that can try to replace the productivity that he created for that team. So you traded Hopkins, you know, you get a couple of draft picks, that's cool and all, but guess what? Watson don't have no weapons. So pretty much moving forward, Watson has to deal with the first strike of pretty much the organization, you know, you know, going behind his back, making this decision. And he has to deal with this and still play with the high level that he can because he knows that pretty much as a black quarterback, he can't do that. So that was the first strike. The second strike recently within the past couple of weeks, the Texans hired new GM, um, new GM Nick Casero. And that's cool. But again, that lack of transparency, you fail to mention Watson at all about any hires. You fail to mention to him about the hiring of Casero anyway. And you just flat out just keep Watson out of any decision-making like he isn't your franchise quarterback. So that's the second strike. 
And as far as for Deshaun Watson, that was the final straw. Deshaun Watson knew at that point that he needed to get out of Houston. He needed to get out of the situation because from that point on, he realized that this team is no longer a service team. This personnel, my head coach, the GM, you know, all of these people, they're no longer a service team. And not only that, you know, this situation gets more fuel by other players, former Texans players, telling Deshaun Watson to get out. Andre Johnson, you know, former running back, telling Deshaun Watson to stand his ground because he already knows how Houston, how, how players who play a part of the Houston Texans get treated. DeAndre Hopkins and his two Tennessee, as he should. Um, Adrian Foster, who, who was a former running back for the Texans, he's adding in his two cents as well. So Deshaun Watson needs to get out of the Houston Texans because as far as I'm concerned, Deshaun Watson is still a formidable quarterback. He is still a top 10 quarterback. Deshaun Watson is a guy who is a class act and he knows how to play. And when you surround him with the weapons and the personnel, he will perform for you. So as far as where Deshaun Washington should go, the best option will probably be the Miami Dolphins. Why? Because number one, you're going to have that personnel you can trust. You're going to have Brian Flores, who is a black quarterback. You're going to have other personnel who is black that can pretty much keep Deshaun Watson in their best interest. Make sure that he is a part of any decision that made they make. Make sure that Deshaun Watson is satisfied as far as the weapons that he's surrounded with and the environment that he is also a part of. So that's number one. Number two, the Miami Dolphins arguably could have won the division. You know, will they win a division in the future? Maybe not necessarily, but if you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson with his attitude, you will definitely be in the one for the division. So as far as Miami Dolphins go, I feel like the Miami Dolphins need to make some calls. They need to consider, you know, giving away some picks, giving away um, Tua. And, and the thing is, you know, no disrespect to Tua. Tua's a great quarterback, but because of that hip injury, there um, there's a lot of the Miami players just recently that's questioning his ability to be that franchise quarterback. And, and the thing was when they mentioned other quarterbacks that could bring what they need to the table, guess who they mentioned? Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson, listen to what Andre Johnson told you. Stand your ground. Do it, do whatever you gotta do to make sure you get out of this situation. Be classy, you know, be the class act that everybody know that you are. But most importantly, stand your ground and make sure that you get yourself into a situation where the personnel and the teammates and just the organization will look out for you for your best interest because you truly deserve it. All right, folks, there you have it. L'Oreal's take, Deshaun Watson, get out of Houston. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's interesting that you brought that up too because, you know, because that, that whole thing, I mean, I don't know if, he, if he's actually going to be traded or not. I mean, that's going to be interesting, but I don't know. Like, that's going to be something that's going to be very intriguing. I mean, I, let, I I'll be... I will be shocked if Deshaun Watson really does get traded before the season. I really will be shocked. There you have it, folks. There you have it. That is the end of The Bounce, episode four. Episode four for the podcast. Remember, folks, you can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, as always. 
and even listen to us, you know, or watch a couple of clips on YouTube on Number One Productions, by the way. Come on, people. You need to like, subscribe, you know, comment. I want y'all to also rate five stars on this as well, because this is a really good sports podcast. And we really do appreciate you guys listening to this as always. As always, folks, I am Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. L'Oreal, do you have anything else to say? Really appreciate all the feedback. And we are a podcast where we're giving you distinctive perspectives. Hmm. We're giving you the real. We're giving you the raw. And we're going to keep doing that, you know, for a very, very long time. And we really appreciate all the feedback and we appreciate us you giving you giving us more feedback as well yeah that's all that's that's all we got to say right there we appreciate that like i said i'm jabari Anderson with my co-host l'oreal we'll see you next week on the bounce podcast peace